the Standing Orders podcast. Welcome to this latest edition of the Standing Orders podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my... Im- Let's try that again. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> The Standing Orders Podcast. Welcome to this latest edition of the Standing Orders Podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my co-host, the Emeritus Mayor Sue Lorne. Good morning, Thomas. How are you this morning? I'm very well. How are you? It's fine, thank you very much. It's a beautiful day. So uh, looking forward to the rest of the day. Wonderful. How has your week been? It's been busy. It's been um it's been pretty hectic. The weather's been absolutely fantastic, so that's been good. But um, yeah, it's been a busy, busy, hectic week. That's your week. I know you can. Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> that leads you know, us on to something. I think <laughs> my week has been uh, equally as busy, but probably far more rewarding. Um, as I mentioned on last week's podcast, I went to the SLCC uh, workshop in Kent and facilitated the session for a good four hours. And how many? It was four. <gasps> wow. Four hours of people needing to listen to me. I was going to say, and I bet you didn't take breath and you could have gone on for another four hours. I could have been. Um, in the nicest possible and, way. <laughs> and, you know, I, I know that at least a few of them had listened to the podcast because a town clerk who shall remain nameless came up and said, where's Sue? So therefore you are as famous in Kent (laughs) as you are in Norfolk. (laughs) I find that very, uh, probably, I, I, I appreciate that you're saying in Norfolk because I'm not very famous in Norfolk. But it's uh, it was very kind of someone to ask where I was. But it's I'm just the the sidekick. No, you're not. You're more than the sidekick. <laughs> you're kind of like the how can I put it? Um, um, <laughs> I don't, don't uh, just don't even go there. <laughs> but it was very kind of someone to to mention me. Thank you very much. Maybe one day I'll come along and um, join you well, on your travels. I think the next. And I think I messaged you about this, and I'm not sure whether I actually got a response. But I you think I said, the next one uh, I do, um, I'm going to drag you along to. <laughs> because I genuine bad text. I, I, I kind of felt halfway through, having the insight of a, of a counsellor in some things, especially one as long-serving as you, um, would actually be really useful. Because you you bring in a slightly different insight into these mm-hmm. kind of the things that we're discussing, but also because, well, you know, you've got an opinion on everything. <laughs> no, it, but it, I think that is the thing is is that we've both got quite a good knowledge on how either side of it works. So, um, but your knowledge, you you've got so much. You you know both sides of everything anyway. So. Um, because of all the things that yeah, um, you, people bring, you all need, the councillors bring to you. You need to stop trying to be so nice to me. The invite <laughs> is there, no matter what, and you, and you're not upgrading from a premier in room. Okay, that's the <laughs> seriously. <laughs> so, I I don't want to go over like what we discussed in the workshop. I actually thought I might ask you 
some questions <laughs> no. from the workshop because then that gives me a really nice if you were there what would but you did have you said? have did you have knowledge of the questions beforehand well of course i did because i wrote them well i'm not getting knowledge of the questions am i okay so here's the first one <laughs> 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 and actually, this should be really simple for you because this oh, is don't. like when you used to have. Well, you used to have your members' grant when you were at the district. Oh yes, council. yes, okay. Um, okay. So, if you had no strings attached, five hundred pounds, what yes. would you spend it on? Well, shall I just tell you what I did spend it on? But no, I know what you spent it on then. But what would you spend it on now? Oh wow! Well, I don't know because it, whenever you get that, you don't um, know. Well, that's not, not at this moment in time. Well, come on. I would be spending it on something that was obviously community based and um, and needed a helping hand. So I, the I things- have to say, I'm so grateful that clerks are able to spend five hundred pounds far more specifically than a woolly. Well, something in the community, no. something. No, 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 because because whatever I say, if if I if I say, oh, oh yeah, I'd go and spend that. I I know please, that somebody please. Wanted- Tell me it's not a handbag. No. <laughs> it would be not new shoes. <laughs> I think that would be very, very uh, community-minded. If I have to go walk in the streets, then I need to have comfy shoes. No, I, 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 wouldn't, I, I wouldn't term it as you going walking the streets if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> Only you, Thomas, would be thinking that way. No. So just for, so for example, the things that we did, because there's three district councillors in in was three district councillors in my section, and um, we we spent the money on a we put um, three five hundred pounds one thousand five hundred into a defibrillator. And, yeah, but you can't um, pull this five hundred pounds with other okay, five hundred pounds. So you just have five hundred. Whenever I've done my individual ones, there was a um, a girls' football team in uh local and they were literally just starting up and they needed the money for their football kits so i i gave those and um and then again we pulled but so mostly did you, we pulled did the you money. get your your name or your face on the front of a football shirt no it was actually i did it and they put the town council's um uh logo onto the the football um but no saying that actually I didn't get, uh, I asked for photos, um, didn't get them. Oh, dear. And uh, didn't get a uh, letter of thank you either. Didn't get any any acknowledgement of of thank you. Um, But they said that they would put uh, the town uh, council logo on there. And I'm guessing if you didn't get um, the request for the logo then it maybe it, it didn't probably happen. never happened but that's that's a few years ago now but at the end of the day the, they, the girls did get their kit and um and you know that that is a, a huge amount of money and that the more that they have to pay for example this is going off track a little bit but the more that the the team uh, the manager spends on setting the team up the more the higher the fee is for those girls to go and play football so um so i knew that my money was going to to make it a little bit um less expensive for the parents of the girls that wanted to play football but no so so that would be it would be something along those lines something that was 
uh, community based if it would be a football team or hockey or something like that. Um, I can't think that there would have been off the top of my head anything individual that I would have I would have so what did someone say something to you in relation to the um you know the money that we get as a district councillor no no it was just I thought a really interesting idea is to if you could use 500 pounds which isn't a huge amount of money um how would you maximize its impact in the community and I'm really like glad to say that you know clerks are far more imaginative and far better at spending the money than apparently <laughs> town and district councillors who who just you know don't I'll even get a logo on well. a shirt for it so you know <laughs> I just, I just, i'm wondering who should be making the decisions on spends in local authorities now <laughs> you've just now in my defense i i think that whenever we've always looked at a project like that it was always you know something that we could put the money together 1500 pound um is is quite a lot of money that would go well, towards yeah that's why i said 500 yes stop, i know but 500 really some... isn't 500 pound really is not a huge amount of money okay what you need to stop doing is is like getting additional grants on top of your grant to make it into you see so now we've got half a million pounds you were only given 500. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got lots of successful grant applications passed. And now we have a community building. And, yeah, okay. Uh, I know that somebody at once, uh, one of the councillors, um, wanted to give it to a taxi firm. There was a... I, there I, was a... I very nearly mentioned this, but I didn't Did want to mention it because I thought, actually, you know that. I'm not, I'm not sure what the outcome was, but my understanding was that that was a successful. Yeah, that he he did, didn't he? No, he didn't. That wasn't. Are you um, sure? But no, no, he definitely, definitely didn't, uh, because they didn't feel that that was a community um, that would be for the community's benefit. Because uh, I I was fifty fifty as to whether he actually managed to do it, but I believe, and no, you can correct me on this, that he was going to go for community transport via a taxi service that would actually probably personally benefit him the most yeah it would have been no definitely he definitely did not get it I can't remember because I, I think that he left it but you the other thing in relation to that is you can't imagine the amount of councillors that don't take up that uh, grant really really if, if you I, I know that um, Broadland um, have a list um, every year who of councillors, and it is published councillors who don't take that money and and give it to the community. And um, on my last year, I think that there was probably 10, 10 12 councillors wow. that hadn't um, taken up that. For heaven's sake, I would have gone and found. You know, I would have walked through. Uh, the town looking for God, for you're walking to... the streets again, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> in my new shoes, in my new shoes, <laughs> just to you know, because that I, I say 500 pounds isn't a lot of money, but for people who need it, it's well, it is a fair amount. I use the I use the example of you know, the the send families, uh, yes, kind of thing we did at the tree yes. plantation and basically mm-hmm. the booking system was already paid for we we already maintained like that park and so the cost of it was actually like a three pound padlock mm-hmm. um and that was the cost of being able to facilitate like send children 
um, mm -hmm. well, send families being able to access a safe space during COVID and subsequently as well with something that's high in, in kind of sensory benefit and is completely sectioned off from dogs and other families. And so we thought actually for three pounds, that's a really good Mm -hmm. kind of spend and actually yes you need to already have the existing asset to do it but a lot of communities do have it mm -hmm. and it is sometimes just about thinking about the small things you can do just mm -hmm. to make a space more accessible and more usable um but no it was it was really good and i'm not going to go through because i i i'm pretty sure i promised that everything that's said in the room is confidential and so i'm not going to Mm -hmm. podcast everything like crazy um but certainly yeah it was it was really mm -hmm. good and we came up with mm -hmm. much better answers than you um <laughs> and so <laughs> no just just let's just rewind here so whenever i i know that there's lots of counselors that are on their own and they don't have two others to go with it but in my defense it was always better to pool the money so that we can make something you know much yeah, but that was larger impact on the community i know but just you know i think that my answer was okay actually. okay so your next one is what is one change you would like to see in the local government sector okay i guess i would i mean like everyone had see... sort of five minutes for this or or like 10 minutes for this you're you're getting well actually five the seconds. clock's ticking yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now, I guess I would probably like to see um, more uh, more understanding of how I, I'd like to see the other tiers of local government, the higher tiers, be more understanding of the situation that um, town or parish council has to face whenever they're dealing with their um with the residents i just i i guess i think that there's too big a gap between um town and parishes moving on to district um and and county i think that the county and the district are too aloof of um what's happening in the communities and i think that sometimes they just happily leave the the towns and the parishes to um you know to fend for themselves and and take all the flack for anything that the other two councils might be doing in an area. I think I'd just like to see more understanding between um, those um, those tiers of local government. You As see, for anything structural, I you know I don't I can't see that anything in the five seconds that you've given me. Now you're going to tell <laughs> me my answer is absolute rubbish again. No, actually, no, no, your first one definitely was. Your second one, <laughs> like, I mean, God, that's, that's a really bad, su surprisingly insightful. Um, <laughs> no, genuinely. We like, are going to this one. <laughs> I think, you, I think you, you actually hit the nail on the head of, like, absolutely a lot of the Okay, so what did you say? No, very similar, which is, I no, think that I there's often, no, genuinely, I think there's a lack of understanding um, about the challenges within the local council um, 
kind of sector at the moment. And I think that increasingly you find that district councils are becoming slightly more remote from the communities uh-huh. in which they serve, uh-huh. that uh, diminishing resources are playing a huge impact on um, the amount of capacity there is to resolve some of the issues that are faced by communities. And I think generally there's a, a lack of, I think people just don't understand what town and parish councils do at both district and county level. And so often they end up signposting people to kind of town and parish councils when it is nothing to do with us. And you kind of become the council where everyone pushes stuff down to. And you often end up sitting there thinking, well, genuinely, like none of this it, like relates to us. And when you start to like push back on it, they actually start realising that, oh, no, actually, you're right, this, this is one of our services. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've had people who have rung up and said that the county council has pushed them through to us because, you know, there are issues with white lining on a main road. It's like, yeah. we don't do white lining mm-hmm. on a main road. Why would you push them to us? And then when you ring, they're like, oh, well, we weren't 100% sure where to send it. So we thought if we send it to you, you'll probably signpost them in the right direction. It's like, but you're the council that deals with this. Like, why wouldn't you push it to your own highways team? That's why you have a highways department. Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think there is a lack of kind of, but, I, I guess, a lack of understanding, but a lack of appreciation. And I did also mention, and I will say, I don't have this, like, I don't have this issue um, at the moment. But I think, like, nationally, there is more of a problem that local councils aren't adequately supported by um, like the democratic services team yeah. and the monitoring officer in terms of, I think they try and be as arm's length as possible in terms of giving advice and support. Now we have a very good in uh, the two districts that, that obviously you've worked in a very good monitoring officer, um, but that certainly isn't replicated nationally. And did you know that last year there was something like, I, th- I want to say about 58 monitoring officer uh, vacancies that went up last year. Yeah. I can, I can, I can understand that to be, which I think in itself kind of tells you the environment in which monitoring officers are working in as well, which is that they are probably no better, but actually you've, you've beautifully brought us on to something that was brought up in the last few days, which is, I think it's Greg Clark, the former uh, leveling up secretary uh, said he thinks that local government is ripe for reform and yes. pretty much said that he would like to see no district councils and you take that away and create unitaries. And of course, one of the things I said uh, at the workshop was whenever there's local government reorganisation, town and parish councils tend to be left alone, um, even when unitary authorities are created. And so being a parish or town clerk it's the safest job you can have because it's a statutory post. You have to have it and it's not going to get rid of parish and town councils. So what are your thoughts on, uh, on ending the days of the district council? Well, obviously a few years ago, I would have said that, uh, no, you, you, you need to keep this. You need to keep the local localism and you need to make sure that districts, um, are, are part of the that that tier of of local government, but then but you fell now... out with the district council. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Because I think I'm seeing the things are desperately changing in district as well as they are in central government. I think that it's a case that oh, I don't know. 
maybe it is the detachment from um, town and district, and you, and and again, they 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 obviously have a huge responsibility. They're the ones that deal with the waste collections and. Um, um, numerous other things that I can't think of the top of my head, but nothing. <laughs> how, long, that, how long were you on the district council? <laughs> <laughs> just for the for the fact it's early morning here, so <laughs> it's um, you know again I don't see that there's necessarily the things that they're responsible for are that the county couldn't take it over or even you know just give the parish that little bit more and more funding. And and you know a couple more staff and and the the larger towns or parishes could take on the responsibilities in their local sections, and then with the other side of it, I th- I think that well I've said this before that our central government government has lost they literally have lost the any uh, connection with with the people. And it is it's just it's just for themselves, and they're just focusing on, um, you know. Don't start me on that one. But anyway, coming back to to this side of it, I, to can I just say I I didn't start you on that one. No, <laughs> you started yourself perfectly. <laughs> you put that seed. You put that seed in my head. But coming back to district, no, I I do think that we we are now at a stage where it is literally you you could take away that tear. And I don't think that you would seriously notice a huge amount of difference. Give give a little bit of it to the parishes, but then counter take it over um, or unitary whatever, take it over. And they just uh, focus on um, on what's um, what's necessary. I, I think that it is a case that we are we're spending the money on um, that middle tier of local government. And I don't think it's absolutely necessary anymore. Yeah, you, you see, I do. You know, I've worked at a unitary. Um, I think that there is always a risk that with the unitary authority, it, I, I would say, dilutes the voice of, of town and parish councils, and maybe the divide ends up being greater. But to be honest with you, from what we're seeing nationally um, on this, and I think we'll come on to it in a second, there's an issue of recruitment into like specifically district councils. But mm. often you look at it and if you look at, you know, some of the services that are provided by uh, district councils, so you've mentioned waste. Now, things such as uh, incinerators, landfill, um, recycling centres, rural county council yeah. um, services, but, um, they also do. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But the, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not, a huge stretch to yeah. go from all the strategic stuff that the county do to provide the facilities for it to also include, you know, what is basically often contracting out the, the collection mm-hmm. service. And, it is, yeah. and, mm. and so it's not a huge leap for the county to do it and will probably generate greater savings because obviously they're doing it for an entire county as opposed to one or two districts. I think in terms of things like planning, uh, you know, at least in the case of of Norfolk and probably, in fact, every other county um, in the country which has the three-tier system, they do planning for their own sites anyway. Mm -hmm. And so they have planning officers, they go through planning committees, they Mm -hmm. make planning decisions. Mm -hmm. And so, again, it's not something that, 
you know, you, you need to have necessarily at the next tier as well. Uh, things such as economic development happens at county, in fact, in a much larger scale than it does at district. And I think when you look at some of the kind of other matters relating to environmental health, etc., you have trading standards that operate and they're all regulatory kind of bodies. And so I just don't see at the moment with the duplication of leadership, with people no. earning six-figure sums across mm-hmm. pretty much every district council as well as every county council, whether you could take that kind of management layer off, bring everyone together, and actually, I think, generate significant savings and perhaps also make an environment, yeah, and and hopefully attract talent into local authorities because the fewer local authorities you have, obviously – you, you're actually reducing the amount of replication between them, which you would hopefully say will mean that there's a more competitive kind of element in terms of recruitment. And actually people see it as more of a prize. I mean, I feel really old fashioned sometimes when I think about local government, because I genuinely kind of, when you look back and they weren't perfect, like when you used to have the rural district councils and, you know, pre-74, how local government kind of was, but I always think kind of sometimes when you when you deal with officers in higher tiers, even as a local council, you know, I've said numerous times, for residents, often they are better going direct to the councils because sometimes they will get listened to more than a town and parish council will. Yeah. But I think But again, it, it will then the understanding for the for the residents it is either parish or or county. It's you know, you've got as we've said before most of the residents don't know who's responsible for what and just assume that the parish and the town are responsible for majority of everything. Mm. And, um, and therefore if you, if you take away uh, some of that middle tier, then um, th- there's more clarification, less stress. Absolutely. For the officers. And, and I think when you look at it, I, I, I guess what it comes down to for me is, you know, it used to be with like district and county councils, there used to be, I feel, a far greater connection between the tiers of local government. I mean, you look back at some of the, the minutes, you look back at some of the agreements, you know, there was really close working even, you know, 20 years ago. I, I feel that that's changed significantly and that's actually made our lives far more difficult as as town and parish council employees. But I also think when you speak to those officers at, at the higher tiers, you know, I always remember, you know, and it wasn't just local government, it was like central government. And and it used to be, and I'm not saying we would still do this, but you would sign off letters saying things like, you know, I am your humble servant and things like this, which, yeah, yeah. you know, was was more, I think, about that kind of public service element as opposed to anything else. And I think sometimes we forget that, well, we don't forget at this tier, but I think at the higher yeah. tiers, they almost professionalise themselves in their own minds to the extent that yeah. they believe that public service is beneath them. And, and this is, and think, that's exactly it, Thomas. It is, it is a public service, but the people that are administrating the public service don't like the idea of being a public service. That's the problem. No. And and I think that that's 
you know, I think that's across the board. And, you know, I still remember when, um, you know, they changed the bylaw provision um, as to how to create bylaws. And I remember contacting um, what was, I think, the DCLG at the time and speaking to them about it and saying, you know, can you just go through the process with me? Because this is my understanding. But before I do anything, I just want to double check it. And their response to me was, well, you wanted this change. You've got this change. And so now you work it out yourself. Yeah, And I was just like, well, the, I didn't personally ask for this change. I was perfectly happy with being halfway through the old process. Yeah. So yeah. how about you give me a bit of a helping hand? And to be fair, yeah. they did then come back and say, okay, well, this is what we need you to do. And this is how you need to do it. But I just thought, you know, there are certainly some egos in the public sector that, you know, and don't get me wrong, some people, and, and I said this on uh, on Wednesday, you know, I've been described as as a professional generalist i actually quite like that this tier of local government has given me such a skill set that you can look at so many different services that you would not get that siloed like district and county Mm -hmm. councils but that said i think what goes along with that is you know you feel increasingly isolated from those other tiers and especially when you have issues around you know councillor behavior and resident behavior um you know that's a real problem. Mm-hmm. And this here's is my you know, final one. Like, on, here's my final thought for you. Actually, you go first because I no no I, no no. I, think no, is, I, no, I was no. literally just going to say, well, you know, when you were you were talking about, you know, with uh, councillors on residents' um, attitudes and things. So, what's you said? There's did you say there was fifty eight or thirty eight monitoring officers' vacancies? About, I think it was 48. 48. 48 or 58. Let's go 48. Um, So, yeah, so it's still a huge amount. So does that mean that those councils, both parish and district, um, don't have anyone to go to for for advice uh, whenever they're in issues like that? Well, no, I I think they, well, when there are vacancies, obviously you often have an acting monitoring officer in place or the old monitoring officer kind of staying on. If the vacancy is coming out, if the vacancy is there, then that means that someone wants to move on. And I know that sometimes that's not always possible. Um, The the council that you're working for tend to try to keep you back for years whenever (laughs) you wanted to move on before. But uh, yeah, so that, you know, these things are all a really worrying situation and it would be really interesting just to see just if there are councils out there that don't have monitoring officers in place at this moment in time. Well, they'll always have probably the deputy monitoring officer taking over um, or an acting monitoring officer. But I'll tell you what we'll do. It won't be in the next couple of weeks because, well, we we just have so much to talk about. Um, But why don't we try and get a monitoring officer to join us? Yeah, that's a really good idea. And now that you're not a councillor, you have nothing to fear. I've never feared anything before, Thomas, but it's okay now. <laughs> I'll just be so chilled out now. No, that's that's a very good idea. Let's 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 look forward to that. Is there anything else that you wanted to discuss this week? I know that you have to dash off because no, it's you're your, good. But I thought that you said birthday. there was one more question that you were going to ask me. No, I can't remember what that is now. You put the, oh put oh that okay no put that I, I, no, next I think, week. I think it kind of touched on what we we spoken about before um i think we we touched on it actually last week um which is sanctions for councillors now when you were a councillor did you feel that you had because you were democratically elected 
a God-given right to do whatever you wanted? No. I And again, well, you know, okay, let me all, ask my, you this. all my years like, as being, we, no, but all my years as being a councillor, I never forgot that the people elected me to be their representative. And I was always really humbled that so many people would go out and do that. And so respectful of the fact, I would never have any assumption that I'd got a God-given right to do anything. And I don't think that anybody has a God-given right to go out and do anything that they, or say anything that they want to say. So, you know, and, and the hope is that, you know, the powers of a monitoring officer and code of conduct complaints and, you know, basically the standards by which councillors um, act will be reviewed and the ability to sanction to a greater extent will be will be brought in. I mean, we'll look at this like in more detail at some point, but do you yeah, think, I think that that's a good idea? That could be really, yeah, that's good. Because you always, you know, I, I appreciate that a councillor should never assume, a councillor or an MP should ever assume that they have got the God-given right to do or say what they want to do. But you then, whenever you do get the ones that go a little bit rogue, then you, you then need to have that power to say, you, you need that authority to, to be able to say, just hang on a minute, you know, this is this is not acceptable behaviour by somebody who's been elected into this into this seat. So, but then you have to always be mindful that if the residents or the public put that person into that seat, then you have to be is the, the is a really fine line as to what you can dish out as a as a punishment if you like for telling a lie or for uh leading people the wrong way or you know or being disrespectful even to your colleagues so um you know or officers so so there's always got to be a fine line you have to remember that these people were elected into that seat but then you still have to councillors and mps have got to be respectful of the fact that they were put in there if that makes sense yeah, but generally, I think it's probably easier to remove an MP than it is to remove a councillor. In fact, it's not generally; oh, yeah, it, it is, is easier, yeah. Um, yeah. which I just find, I just find incredible. Um, mm. But there we are. We will leave it there for this week, and I would just like to say one final time, uh, thank you to the SLCC Kent branch for giving me a really enjoyable day, and I was joined by our copy editor Katerina as well, who also had a very good time uh, down in Kent. And it Excellent. really is like a beautiful part of the country. And so I'm yeah. really grateful to have been invited. And next time, Sue, you are definitely coming down with me. Definitely. I'm not going to miss up another opportunity of that, um, of getting out there and, and meeting up with um, with other people who think like-minded as we do. So. I don't think anyone thinks how you do. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Politis. Please like and subscribe to get your weekly edition. You can suggest topics by emailing podcast at politisconsulting.co.uk. See you next week.